for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturgis, Mississippi. Today you'll hear from Dr. Jeremy Corey and his teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Immorality. May this sermon encourage you to make God and His Word the standard for the morality of your life. Enjoy. All right, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you've got your copy of the Bible, go ahead and turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We will be there this morning. So in this passage, it's on the the backside of of what we saw in chapter 4 as we are to be servants of Christ and we are to do things for his kingdom's sake. There were some recognizable attributes or characteristics of society, things that were happening in the society then that I believe are happening in society now. There were things that were being uh, touted as okay or something that was acceptable behavior or it was something that was culturally, you know, accepted in that area that I think today we've kind of grown into this this era of, of things are acceptable, which God has said they are not. And we have, as a culture, said, well, things are okay that never were intended to be okay. And so there's been somewhat of a desynthesization of us and our thoughts, our morals and our values. And there's been a level of compromise in that that is improper when you look at and in comparison to the Bible and the mandates of God. And, and whereas I believe this world seemingly thinks that there's gray area, I'm just here to tell you this morning, there's right and wrong. There's no gray area. And, 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 and I know we live in a world, too, where, where they think like, well, it's an interpretation thing. No, it's not. The Bible says what it means to say. It doesn't need our interjection into what it says. It says that which it's meant to say. And so, and it means what it means, right? So, let's really dive into this. In verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5, they deal with this thing called immorality. Immorality is, is just the, the perverseness of society. It is very much the sin that is running rampant in the acceptability of things which are improper, impure, that don't glorify or honor God in, in, in the least bit. So immorality is being addressed. Whereas sometimes people like to just look over stuff because they start saying, well, well, my sin, I still sin a lot too, and you sin a lot, so how can I, you know, address that? But God's Word says this needs to be addressed. Immorality in this sense is it's never going to change, and the behaviors that are involved in it are never going to be modified or better if it's not addressed. We can't ignore things away, and we can't just wish them well. We have have to do things.
things distinctly different and live in a manner different than the world around us. Verse 1 and 2, it says this of chapter 5. It said, it is actually reported that there is immorality among you, an immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles, that's us, that someone has his father's wife. Two, second verse. You have become arrogant and have not mourned. Instead, so the one, so that the one who has done this deed would be removed from your midst. So they are talking about a great injustice in that society. Immorality they're talking about in that society. They're talking about a relationship that should not happen. And it says that someone has his father's wife. And Levitical laws kind of point in that of how those things should go. But we look at this, and it also says that you're unwilling to mourn. You're unwilling to deal with the deed that is being done and remove it from your midst. So it is, in a sense, in essentially being accepted. So Paul goes on the other side of that. In just a moment, we'll look at that. But I begin to think about things in our society here and now. Do some of the immoral acts and things that are happening today even bother us anymore? Or are we so used to it now? You ever heard somebody, maybe even another Christian, say, it's not that bad. It's either bad or it's not. It's either good or it's not. It's either against the Word of God or it's not. It's either God's Word or it's mine. <laughs> we cannot look at it and say, it's not that bad. We've become acceptable. Some things have become acceptable to us that were never meant to be acceptable. And society as a whole has been desynthesized by what others do. And I think there's some that have a blurred line of acceptability in actions that has led to the comfortable acceptance of immoral actions by not addressing it effectively. Y'all, th there's a reality behind all of this. I realize that we don't do what we ought to do and what we know to do. But there is a comfortability in our society with that which is immoral and wrong. And you and I must say, you know, what does that do to us? But what does that do to the world around us when we accept things that are not of God? And we adapt behaviors into our own that are never meant to exist in our lives. And the truth of the matter becomes in this, is that we can't lead someone through that which we are unwilling to address in our own life. I think the Bible puts it like this, right? We can't help someone with the log in their eye until we get this die out of our own eye, right? 
we have to address it in our own lives and our pitfalls and shortcomings and acceptability of things which are immoral and, and lead people in the wrong way in our own lives before we can ever walk with somebody else through it and help them through it and point to it. In other words, we can't go around saying this sin is greater than this sin is this is that and that and the other. We have to deal with the plank in our own eye before we can help others in their lives. So we must understand that we have to address these needs in our lives and address them in the lives of those around us. And there's a way to do that. And that way is God's word. And that way is through much prayer. Because you and I can't overcome some of the things that continuously weigh us down and take us under without the power of God. I can't do it. You can't do it. And we certainly can't do it about the world around us that has accepted things which are so immoral and wrong that some of us say there's not a road back. But I truthfully believe this day that our road back was made through Jesus Christ. And because of that road, there is healing and restoration. There is hope and love. There is mercy and grace beyond all that you and I deserve. And certainly those who live in a perverse manner in this world. This generation and the generations to come need to understand this right from wrong and need to understand what is acceptable and what is not. Paul's purpose in this passage, and, and there's a battle that's going on, and maybe you understand what it means when I say there's a battle going on. You and I battle against the forces of Satan in this world. Because Satan doesn't just sit idly by. He attacks every facet of our lives. And when you and I live a crack in the door, or we leave something open, then he comes in and there's a battle that ensues. Verse 3 says this, and this is Paul. It says, For I, on my part, though absent in body, but present in the Spirit, have already judged him, who has committed this as though I were present? In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you assembled and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. How many of us look around and we see the things which are happening in our lives and, and those lives around us and we want to address those and we need to address those biblically we come to them with the love of God and as we address those things there becomes a reckoning in that person's life in other words they see the sin and the immorality in their life face to face and they can't run from it. But in that moment, they see face to face what's going on. They begin to understand the love of God in their lives. And it changes their heart. It changes their direction. See, the power of God can deliver anybody from any place, anytime, anywhere. He delivered me and you from our sin. His mercies are new every morning. 
and what God has said right is, that's which we stand on right. And what is wrong is wrong. And so Paul is taking a stand here. And I ask the question this morning, will you and I take a stand? Will we take a stand of what's right and what is wrong and the battle that we have before us? Because we make no mistake that the enemy lurks and seeks to take you and even those around you down by any means necessary. But the reality behind all of this and how we stand, you and I have an identity that is not of this world. You and I have an identity that is in Christ, don't we? So therefore, we are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And we know that sin is a barrier between us and the will of God in our lives. So when we address the immorality and the things in our own lives, then we're able to help God fulfill what Jesus said as we're to go into the world, aren't we? When we clear the clutter in us, the immorality in us, then God is able to use us more effectively. In other words, we don't want to give quarter to the devil in our lives, do we? We don't want to give him an inch. We don't want to leave a door open. We don't want to leave anything in our lives where he can get in and cause a mess. You and I want to shine for God in our lives and do the very best in our lives for him. And that means we have to address the things in our own lives which then help us to fight back the darkness with his power. You and I talk about power in our lives. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to stand strong, doesn't it? Because this world wants to cripple us. And Satan would love nothing but when we fall on our backside. But God teaches us to be strong and immovable. He gives us the ability to stand when everything else falls. And I truly believe when we remember that identity which we have in Christ and we fulfill this command to fight the forces of darkness through the power of the Holy Spirit, then this will lead to more impactful salvations. And, and because when all the fog is cleared, I believe the danger is apparent. The lighthouse can clearly lead to safety. When you and I have cleared all of this in our lives, then we can effectively help others find hope in Jesus Christ. Right and wrong immorality addressed. So, so thinking of this, what do you and I need to, to address? What do we need to boast in? What needs to be what needs to be done in our own lives? Verse 6 brings it a little bit forward on this. It says, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump. 
just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the, leaven, the, with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So there's, there's a designation in all of this, that we are to boast not in the old and not in the things which we do, but we are to boast in the Lord and Christ's sacrifice that has given us a remission of sin. In other words, you and I have the ability to find forgiveness for our actions and our bad decisions, indecisions, lack thereof, and our immoral actions in Christ. How much more will the world around us do the very same if we are becoming what he has called us to be? It says that we are to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. We are to live differently than the world around us. We are to stand out. So, in thinking of this, how are we to live in the world and not be of the world? Have you ever had that question asked you? You know, we, we, we live around these folks. We, we interact with people all the time. We talk to people all the time. We get to know people all the time. Do we look like the world and the people around us, or do we look like Jesus? You can't do both, can you? You can't look like Jesus and accept what everybody says is okay when it's not okay. And you can't live with Jesus and still live like you don't know him outside the doors of the church. You can't live that way. It will eat you alive. It'll eat your faith life alive. It'll eat your home alive. It'll eat your family alive. It'll eat your life. It'll erode away at everything because the reality is if Christ is not in you and you are not living for him, then what are you living for? Every little scheme that the devil has. Because I tell you what, I don't want to look like everybody else. Amen? I don't want to accept what everybody else says. I don't want to do what everybody else does. And if that makes me different, I'm okay with being different. Because Christ has called me to a life that is not like this world. And it's not a life of my own. It's His. And understandingly, I've been bought with a price. So, so right and wrong is, is developed and ignited in my life by who He is. And from that point on, I do everything for the sake of the kingdom and in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I might lose friends, right? If I do what's right and righteous, I'm going to lose friends. If I do what's right and righteous, I'm going to have to make distinct choices in my life that lead not only me but my family toward Jesus instead of away from him, regardless of what everybody else thinks. Then there's going to be things in my life which I have to do in order that my witness 
is strong. So that means that the first place that we go when we want to address immorality is right here, don't we? We address that which is in us so that God can do his best through us that we might help the world around us. So yes, we live in a world, but we are not to be accepting of the world around us. We are to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. So that means for some of us, we need to check our friends list, don't we? Pastor, you're going to go on to meddling right now, huh? You know, I got a thousand followers, you know. I got a lot of friends, but they're not friends. I got a lot of followers. They're not followers. Are they following you or are they following him? Think about that. Let's look at this in verses 9 through 11. Amen. Uh, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and the swindlers or the idolaters. for when you have to go out of the world. So... But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetous or idolater or reveler or a drunkard or swindler, not, eat, not even to eat with such a one. So what happens to us when we become accepting of everything and we begin to adopt these lifestyles do we do, do we become more like the world or more like jesus we become more like the world so this has us to evaluate this that we might lose friends yes we might need better influences in our life and I began to think about this and how all this made sense. And this made sense to me, so if it doesn't make sense to you, it makes sense to me. This next statement, you can't run with the same dogs and not expect to get fleas. Come on. Some of y'all ought to take a second. Some of y'all punch them next to you and explain that to somebody. I'll say it one more time. You can't run with the same dogs and not expect to get fleas. Think about this. You and I must be different than the world around us. And here comes the reality. In a world of compromise, you and I are called to stay the course. Stay true to godly living and don't give anything. You know, it's, it's my life goal to do one thing. To make the devil shudder when I walk around. Amen. I want him to so be afraid of the God I follow that when I walk, he runs. And I think we need to live so close to God. That that is something that is said of us. See, the reality behind this is that not only do we need to check our friends list, but we need to understand it is God who judges and does what no one else can. Verse 12 says this, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? 
Do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. How many of us are unwilling to address the wickedness in our lives? How many of us are unwilling to address the wickedness before us, around us? See, there's a way to do things. I don't, I don't want you to think that that means that well, Brother Jeremy's saying, take your Bible and hit somebody in the face with it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you are in your spirit, in your heart, or wanting to live more like Christ, you're addressing the immorality, the sin in your own lives. You're saying that you want to live more clearly for the gospel that others might know him. Then you are in Christ as a Christian believer. You address one another in love, right? See, God's love has the power to soften the hardest heart. So when you and I understand our own shortcomings and we address those, then God is able to do great things in and through us. And then we are able to go into the world and be disciples and make disciples. In other words, we are called to live differently, live for God's glory in the salvation of Jesus with the strength of the Holy Spirit. See, I need times in my life where I am broken down. I need times in my life where God just says, you aren't doing all that you ought to be doing. I need to hold a mirror up to my own face at times and say, God, do you really have all of me? Or am I looking more like the world? And at those times, I have to address that in my life. And it hurts, y'all. It hurts to address the own sin in your own life, doesn't it? Because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And there's not one of us that's perfect, not even one of us. But it doesn't mean that we don't stop trying to do what he has called us to do. There's a story about this, an illustration about church discipline. It says, a few years ago, we had to discipline a man by removing him from the membership for repeated and unrepentant adultery. We followed the guidelines of Matthew 18, they said. His response was, I know what you have to do, so do what you must, because I don't care. I plan to never darken the doors of the church anyway, so why should I care? He proceeded to divorce his wife in the courts, as you would expect. His wife continued to attend that church. At small group meetings, they prayed for God to do whatever was necessary to open this man's eyes and bring him back into the right relationship with God. More than two years later, this man called him and asked if he could meet. In his office, he broke down. He said, the hound of heaven has been on his trail for nearly two years, and he couldn't take it much more. So this man wanted to confess his sin, turn from his wicked ways, and renew his marriage. Even his wife, who had said, 
proudly or probably uh, she could not ever trust him again, was amazed at the change in his life. After his divorce, this man who had been in the army reserves had been sent overseas with his unit to process the bodies of soldiers who passed in Iraq. Daily he was confronted with the brevity of life and permanence of eternity. After returning home, he met with the elders of that church, confessed his sin, later announced it to the congregation that discipline against this man was lifted, and he was restored to full fellowship in the church. When you and I do things God's way, he does not always respond quickly with the results we desire, but his way is always right, best, and true. With praise, the whole church got to see God at work, restoring both the man and his marriage. You know, there was a, there was also an example of this that happened at Revival. And many of you were here in a part of our Revival. If you were here, uh, it was a good thing that God did through that Revival. But if you weren't here, you can go back and rewatch those things. But anyway, what happened is, and, and I hadn't seen this to this point, we had others that would go to others in the church that were needing and would pray with them. People would get up out of their seats and walk over to somebody they saw in need and they would love on them, sometimes not even saying anything. But you and others would pray with one another and people would come and pray with you. And so addressing the things in our lives isn't so hard when you have that relationship with someone else. When they see that you care for them, when they see that you're there for them, when they see that you love them, when they see Christ in you. And we live in a world where people settle for a lot of things. This unrighteous living, this immoral living, is something that we don't accept. We shouldn't accept. We still love others, don't get me wrong. But it shouldn't get so comfortable within us where we accept everything. I'll leave you with this last illustration about uh, settling for things which we ought not settle. It's called Settling for Socks. Thelma and Victor Hayes won more than $7 million in 2005 in Canada. When asked what the couple, who were then age 89, would do with the money, they said that at this stage of their life, they would be unlikely to become giddy high spenders. They planned to stay in their retirement home. Victor Hayes planned to buy a Lincoln Town Car, but his wife simply wanted a new pair of socks. Her response was widely reported as comical, if not foolish. How could someone win a fortune and change nothing but her socks? In the same way, how can those who have won the spiritual grand prize of eternal life not live in a way consistent with being a new creation in Christ? I want you to think about that this morning. It matters how we live. 
it matters for us, but it matters for the world around us. It matters for the God in us, and it also matters for those that are seeking in this world to live better and do differently than they're currently doing right now. And I tell you this much. You might think that the world is just acting all shades of crazy, and you would be right. But what are we doing to address it? If you take the mantra, the understanding that what can I do? I'm just one. Then I tell you, what did God do with 12? And if he can do that with 12 who didn't get it all the time, then certainly he can go with us who doesn't get it all the time and do something extraordinary in our lives. If you want to read back through the entire Bible and read through it, see who God used. And understand that God can use us when we come with a humble, repentant heart seeking for our own cleanliness and seeking for God to use us in this world. God can use us in ways we never thought for his glory, for his kingdom's sake. Not that you and I need a pat on the back, but that we need to know that our life here meant something. In eternity. So I'm going to ask you this morning several questions. One of those Do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? If something were to happen to you right here and now, before you got out of here, would you be in heaven for eternity? Maybe there's some things in your life which need to be addressed that you think, maybe if I just ignore it, it'll go off in the corner, get cobwebs, and nobody will even know. But we've addressed it this morning. When you leave that in there, that allows for Satan to wreak havoc in your life. That means that it's going to get worse if you don't address it. And it becomes something in between you and the Almighty in your life. But when we come to him for forgiveness, for repentance, for eternal life, then he takes that which is dirty in our life and makes it clean. That means you and I can't do anything about that, but we can turn to a God who can. Are you tired of living with that weight and burden and being so heavy laden that you can't get an honest to goodness deep breath in your life? We serve a mighty God, a powerful God, a strong God who is greater than anything you will find in this society. This world promises everything and delivers on nothing. But our God promised everything and delivered his only son. There's no greater love than that. You won't find it in anything. You won't find it in another relationship. You won't find it at the bottom of a bottle. You won't find it in a needle. You won't find it anywhere in this world. You'll only find it in the capable hands of Jesus Christ who can save you from it all. It's not easy. It never meant to be. But the reality behind it, when he saves us, we become more like him. And we don't fight by ourselves anymore. We fight with Christ in us. And when Christ is with us, what can stand against us? 
nothing. Everything goes down. The Satan that, that surrounds us, that always tells us things, he shudders and he goes at the name of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning, you need to address that. Maybe you're here this morning, you need to say, well, pastor, there's so many things in my life I need to address. I don't even know where to start. I'll tell you where to start. God. I'll tell you where to end it all. God. i tell you where to leave it with God. Because with God, all things are possible. That means that you can take every bit of thing in your life that has amassed, everything that's been done, everything that holds you down, and you can bring it to him every single time, and he will save you. Forgiveness, repentance, mercy, grace that we don't deserve. He is here. And I challenge you this morning, if there are places in your life that you need to address to him, that he might be able to use you and your life for his glory better than he does today. Maybe you've accepted things which are not acceptable to him. Maybe there are things in your life which you need to confess to him that he might have all of you. Maybe there are some things in your heart that you're holding on to that you need to give to God. I challenge you. Don't walk out of here thinking, I'll deal with that tomorrow. Fathers, if you don't deal with it, it affects your wife and your kids. Wives, if you don't deal with it, it affects that around you. Grandparents, it affects everything from generation to generation. If you don't address those things, is it worth it for you and I to not address those things in our lives so that God might be able to do extraordinary things in our lives for his glory. God has given us so much. Don't we need to live for him in that way? Join me in standing as I pray. Father God, we come to you this time, God. We just ask, God, that you... God, you help us to address the things in our own lives, God, that we, that we so easily accept and compromise with, the God that we were never meant to have in our lives. Heavenly Father, you've classified sin as anything that separates or becomes a barrier between us and you, God, and we don't want that. So God, this morning, I pray if there's someone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, God, that they understand that you can forgive them. Your grace and your mercy is capable of forgiving them, God. Washing them white as snow. They don't have to carry this, this sin around for the rest of their lives. They don't have to deal with the voices that continually come from Satan saying you're not good enough. They don't have to deal with the temptations of the bottle or the needle or things that happen in their lives. They don't have to carry this, God. You deliver us from all things because, God... You are the only one that can. Heavenly Father, there's so many that seek out the world. Yet what they're looking for is right here and now. Father God, if there's someone here this morning that needs to be saved, God, let them do that. Here and now, before you, without worry of what will everybody else think. Heavenly Father, God, I pray for us 
who call ourselves Christians yet still embrace the world around us, find things that are acceptable that are never meant to be acceptable. God, for so many of us who compromise and are not willing to deal with our own sin in our own lives, God, I pray that we know we can come to you, a God who is able, a God who can do all things, who is more than capable of helping us walk through this place in our life we find ourselves in. Heavenly Father, give us the, the strength, the courage, the ability to address that which is in our lives that is keeping us from doing all that you've called us to do. Heavenly Father, remove this sin as far as east is from the west, God. God, help us to understand that we don't have to do this. We don't have to hold on to that. God, that you can release us from all things if we trust in you. God, your hands are more than capable. So God, we come this morning, in this moment, you call us to move from our seats, from our places in our lives, and move to where you are. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. We know that your time is the most valuable item you have, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page at facebook.com fbcms. Both can be found in the show notes below. If you would leave a rating or review for our new podcast, we would be very appreciative. And if you would share it with others, we would be eternally grateful. We pray that you have a God-filled day. And remember, love God, love people, and reach the world. Have a good day.